Chapter fifteen of Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred by Francois Rene de Chateaubriand. Chapter fifteen. La Vallee aux Loups, in January eighteen fourteen. I am sent to Brest to undergo the examination for a naval cadet. The harbour of Brest another meeting with Gerril, la perrousse return to combourg after the marriage of julie i set out for brest on quitting the large college of rennes i did not feel the regret which i experienced on leaving the little college of dol perhaps i had no longer that innocence which flings a charm over all time had begun to remove its defences my mentor in my new position was one of my maternal uncles the count ravenel de boiteau chief of the squadron one of whose sons a very distinguished officer of artillery in the army of bonaparte is married to the only daughter of my sister julie the countess de farcy on my arrival at brest i did not find my brevet d'aspirant i know not what accident had delayed it i was therefore what is called soupirant and as such exempt from regular study my uncle boarded me in la rue de siam at a table d'hôte of aspirants and presented me to count hector the commandant of the navy left to myself for the first time instead of joining my future comrades i shut myself up in my instinctive solitude my ordinary society was confined to my fencing writing and mathematical masters the ocean which i was to meet with on many shores bathed at breast the extremity of the amorican peninsula beyond this fallen there was nothing but a boundless sea and unknown worlds my imagination revelled in this illimitable space often when seated on the quai de recouvrance have i watched the movements of the crowd shipbuilders sailors soldiers douaniers and galley-slaves passing and repassing before me voyagers embarked and disembarked pilots issued their directions carpenters squared pieces of timber rope-makers twisted cables sailor-boys lighted fires under huge coppers whence issued a thick smoke of the sanitary odour of tar loads were being carried backwards and forwards from the vessels to the warehouses and from the warehouses to the vessels bales of merchandise sacks of provisions trains of artillery carts were going into the water or returning to receive fresh loads tackles were raising heavy burdens while the cranes were letting down huge stones and the mud-suckers were removing the slough the forts made reiterated signals sloops went and came and vessels were getting under way or entering the basins my mind was full of vague ideas of society its advantages and its evils i know not what fit of melancholy seized me i quitted the mast where i was seated and ascending by the penfell which empties itself into the harbour reached a point where i lost sight of the port no longer able to see anything but a greensward valley though still hearing the confused murmur of the sea and the voices of men i threw myself down on the banks of this little river now watching the running water now following with my eyes the flight of the seagull enjoying the silence that reigned around me or listening to the blows of the caucus hammer I fell into a profound reverie. If in the midst of this reverie the wind carried the sound of some gun of a vessel getting under sail, I trembled at every limb, and my cheeks were bedewed with tears. One day I had wandered to the verge of the river on the seaside. It was extremely hot, and I stretched myself on the shore and fell asleep. Suddenly I was awakened by a magnificent sound. I opened my eyes, like Augustus, to see the triremes in the anchorage of Sicily, after the victory over Pompus Sextus volleys of artillery rapidly succeeded each other the roadstead was covered with ships 
the french squadron sailed in after the signature of the peace the vessels manoeuvred under sail enveloped themselves in fire and smoke hoisted their flags presented the poop the prow the flank and stopped short in the midst of their course by throwing out the anchor or continued to fly over the buoyant waves nothing ever before gave me such an exalted idea of the human mind man seemed to borrow at this moment something of the greatness of him who said to the sea non procedis amplius all breasts hurried to the shore sloops detached themselves from the fleet and landed their crews at the quay the officers with whom they were crowded and whose faces were bronzed by the sun had that foreign air which is contracted in another hemisphere the je ne sais quoi of gaiety pride and boldness of men who had returned from re-establishing the honour of the national flag this naval corps so meritorious so illustrious these companions of the la motte piquets the souffrants the dukes de Coedie, the estaing who had escaped from the fire of the enemies were to fall beneath that of the french i saw this valorous troop defile before me suddenly one of the officers quitted his companions and rushed to embrace me it was Jaril. he was much grown but he looked weak and languid from a sword-thrust which he had received in his breast that same evening he quitted me for the purpose of visiting his family since that time i have seen him only once and this was shortly before his heroic death i will afterwards relate the particulars the sudden apparition and departure of Jaril made me adopt a resolution which changed the whole tenor of my life it was decreed that this young man should have an absolute empire over my destiny it has been seen how my character was formed what was the turn of my ideas what the first attempts of my genius for i must speak of it as of an evil for such has been this genius rare or common meriting or not meriting the name i have given it for want of another word to express myself had i been more like other men i should have been happier and he who could have slain my talent without robbing me of my mind would have been my best friend when the count de boiteil took me to count hector i heard the officers old and young recount the adventures and talk over the countries which they had traversed one had arrived from india another from america this one had come to equip himself for a voyage round the world another was about to return to the mediterranean and visit the shores of greece my uncle pointed out to me in the crowd la perouse that second cook whose death is a secret of the storms i heard all i saw all i spoke not a word but that night i did not close an eye my imagination revelled in battles and in the discovery of unknown lands be this as it may seeing gerald return to his parents i resolved that nothing whatever should hinder me from rejoining mine i should have liked the navy much had not my spirit of independence unfitted me for service of every kind for i had within me an invincible impossibility to obey travels tempted me excessively but i thought i should not like them unless i could go alone and follow the bent of my own inclinations in fine giving the first proof of my inconstancy without informing my uncle ravenel without writing to my parents without asking permission of any one without waiting for my brevet i set out one fine morning for combourg where i arrived as unexpectedly as if i had dropped from the clouds i am astonished to this day how in spite of the terror with which my father inspired me i could have the audacity to take such a step and more surprising than all was the manner in which i was received i might have expected transports of rage but i was welcomed with kindness my father contented himself with shaking his head as if to say here's a fine affair my mother embraced me cordially but grumbled all the time and my lucille was in an ecstasy of joy End of chapter fifteen